You are being oppressed with modern day art architecture and you don't even know it. Government buildings, they're the most oppressive. And when you look at governments, when they're trying to create something, again, a lot of times today, it's about power and efficiency, not about inspiring humans to rise up and be the best they can be. Because a lot of governments about, I want to keep you lowly because I want to control you. Buildings in your environment, they're either pro-human and inspiration, they're pro-God, or they're anti-human. You know, cities were initially designed where the most important thing was the tallest building in the center. And that used to be the church. God has been displaced by materialism. The divine has been placed by money. And so, again, I think a lot of times we gloss over this stuff and we think, well, maybe that's a coincidence or maybe that's not important. But I think when you look at the deeper things going on in society today, this is what's happened is what's at the center. Dr. Josh Axe, and welcome to the show. I'm especially excited for today's episode because this is not something I talk about a lot, but it has a massive impact on the health of your body, but also your mind and your soul. And what I'm going to talk about today is how your environment, everything from architecture to a book sitting on your shelf and the feng shui of a room you're in can impact your health and especially your mindset. And I'm gonna go through a couple studies today as well as some examples of things you can do to elevate your mindset, nourish your soul and spirit, and improve your physical health, all with your environment. Now, here's the first thing to note, and the first thing I really wanna dive into has to do with buildings or the space that you're working out of. Now, have you ever walked into a hospital and you kind of had a feeling or a vibe when you walked in there or walked into someone's home and you had a feeling or a vibe, it touched you emotionally. It touched you even spiritually, either negatively or positively. You know, I can remember, uh, you know, we've all experienced this, right? Maybe we've gone back. Uh, I remember going back to my parents' home, uh, you know, where I grew up in Troy, Ohio, and walking in after I'd been there in a few years and, and feeling maybe a sense of uh, nostalgia and safety and security and reminiscing and just just warmth in that home, right? I know that I've, again, I've walked into hospitals and a lot of times I've walked in there and I had a feeling of a little bit of, of death and decay and oppressiveness walking in there. And so the space that you're working in, your, your work environment, your home environment, those buildings you walk into, they all do something to you emotionally, according to science, as well as spiritually and physically. And so here's the reality. The first thing I want to get into here is, is that when you think about architecture, when you think about going back to uh, ancient Greece or Egypt or even places Okinawa, Japan, Rome or Jerusalem, when the architecture was created in a lot of these areas, uh, it was meaningful. Things were meticulously sculpted. They were inspiring. They were made of things that are natural. Today, when you go into a lot of buildings, some of these modern buildings and architecture and the environments within the buildings, if you go into a work environment and you've got the, well, formerly asbestos ceilings, but those panels and it's it's made of plastic and carpet and glue and, 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 and these fake materials, there's a level of it being oppressive and lacking purpose. And you may not realize 
how much that affects you emotionally. I remember the first time I started working in this sort of office building uh, that, that I worked out of for a time, and they had these fluorescent lights coming down. And again, it was just like stucco and just other fake materials. And I felt by the end of the day, I was like, I can't wait to get outside because I just felt compressed and confined in the space I was in. And again, according to science, what that does is that increases your anxiety levels. It activates something called your sympathetic nervous system, putting your body in a fight or flight state where you don't feel safe, you don't feel secure, you don't feel inspired. And so this is really an important topic that I'm gonna go through on this video of how you can elevate your space and your environment to improve your health, body, mind and spirit and so i want to get into the little bit of that uh, a little bit of this right now and then we'll go into the solutions here at the end but you know when when you start when i, when I think about architecture today you know i think about uh a place chelsea and i love to vi visit like florence italy and when you go to a place like that you look at this classical architecture and you're just inspired in fact a lot of times the architecture of a city it defines the culture and what's important to the culture. Um, and, you know, when I also, I, by the way, I think about this with churches. One of the things that I love is Chelsea and I, as we've visited and gone all, all over the world, I've been to, 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 to churches in, in China and in uh, Uganda and Ethiopia and uh, South America. I've been, I've been to them all over the place, okay? And, and one of the things I love most, especially about Europe, is I go into certain and see certain churches there, and they're just you're, they're inspiring. You go in there and you're 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 moved spiritually and emotionally. But something happened in the 1950s, specifically. I want to mention here, beginning in the 1950s, a program uh, accelerated something called ugly church buildings. By the way, have you ever seen just an ugly church building? I know we all have. And uh, this happened in Europe and North America. And part of it happened is a lot of them were also created in conjunction as bomb shelters, at least in Europe. And, and there's this sort of spirit, though, as well of, of, um, of, uh, of efficiency and uh, functionality that sort of overtook uh, this idea of creating something that was beautiful. Okay, so functionality overtook beauty in a space. And by the way, if you ever are in a space that's just purely functional, you kind of, it lacks any emotion. It lacks any sort of anything that will, would stir a man's soul. Um, and if you go into a space, though, that's decorated in the right way, that has a sort of uniqueness to it, 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 it creates a really specific type of environment. Um, you know, this is something I think writers understand. You know, writers will go out in places like nature or go and get a cabin somewhere or go to a place where they can be inspired and it affects their writing, whether it's a, so an author writing a book or, or somebody writing a song uh, or somebody doing a piece of artwork, right? You need to be around other inspiring things that inspire you to write something inspiring. And so I, I want to talk about this today of how we are being oppressed. By the way, here's something you may not realize. You are being oppressed with modern-day architecture, and you don't even know it. Have you felt that? If you go to a big city, like when I go to certain cities today, especially urban areas, and I go into a city... And it's just all this kind of same boring architecture. There's there's trash on the streets. It's beat up. You go through there. It just doesn't make you. It just doesn't make you feel well. Versus if you go into a place that uh, is beautiful and inspiring, it really does something to to move you and really to nourish your soul. And I want to go back and say this. Back in the 1950s, as this new wave of architecture started coming about, um, this happened uh, because of uh, 
people started moving away from God. So, so that's going to be a big theme of today, by the way. When people move away from the divine and from God, that's when it lacks any inspiration whatsoever. And the people who started the sort of modernist architectural movement, they were not relig- religious believers or Jews or Christians. They were agnostic or atheist. So humans generally have been healthier when they build environments that contain a variety of like uniqueness, independent shops and buildings rather than these generic cement buildings that are repetitive stores all in a row. You know, a, a wide variety of unique buildings and shops. What they'll do is they'll stimulate the mind. They, they, they draw you in. And there's something that just sort of captures your attention there. And I want to go to a study here now to talk about why this is so important. You're like, Dr. X, why is, you know, why is the building I'm in or the artwork in my home or office building in the city I'm in, why is that so important? Well, listen to this. A study published in the Journal of Environmental Psychology, this is a 2019 study, discovered this in relation to buildings today. That if you're in a room that feels more enclosed uh, the space feels less beautiful. Okay, so if you're in a space where it's a tight, lower ceiling, smaller walls, closed in, the space is less and feels less beautiful when it's less open and spacious. Uh, the next uh, the next part of the study found that you have less pleasure and arousal in linear rooms with little design. So again, if you're just in a box room versus if it has a level of, uh, of uh, intricacy and beauty to areas of the room, even the design of the four walls that, that you're in, uh, it feels more beautiful, which is more inspiring. Um, they also found that there is uh, the furniture influences brain waves. And so the way that you decorate an office, it could be everything from an office of your company to your own workspace at home to just your home in general, it actually impacts your brain waves. Okay. And specifically what they found is, is that when you're in a room that is decorated in a way that's very inviting and warm. It actually activates what are called your theta brain waves. So if you've ever, if you're ever meditating on something or you're coming up with your most creative ideas, you often urinate in these theta brain waves. So if you're ever doing again, whether it's a yoga class or you know, a, a, a Christian meditation or Buddhist meditation for that matter, or any sort of meditation where you're kind of getting this zone where you're just thinking creatively and innovatively, those are theta brainwaves. So listen, if you're working in an environment that is a mess with enclosed walls and everything else, it's not to say you can't be creative. It's that you have less capacity to be creative, to be innovative, to actually sometimes uh, spiritually thrive as well when you're in that type of space. But again, theta brainwaves, you have different brainwaves, but you know, those theta waves are like, if you listen to the sound of the ocean, crashing. It's that sound of nature. If you go out there and, and sit in a forest or walk in a forest, a lot of these are activating these state of brainwaves, but your furniture in your house or office, the pictures you have on the wall, you know, I, I love my space here. So I've got a, like a, a bonsai tree here for me. That's very meaningful. Uh, I've got, um, you know, I've got some of my favorite books. I've got some cool architecture here, something my I have a family member that made here for me. So I have a lot of things in my spaces that are really meaningful. Think about this with Christmas time, right? If you put up a Christmas tree or you're decorating for Thanksgiving or Fourth of July, whatever it is, it inspires you in some way and it has a level of meaning to it. Well, if you're in a building that's just four concrete walls, there's no meaning. 
And in a way, it makes your work. And to a degree, that even influences your life. There's less meaning that's, that's there. The other thing I want to mention here in this study was natural materials like wood reduced your autonomic nervous system, your heart rate, and lowered levels of anxiety. So if you're in a space that's mostly made of, again, plastic and stucco and just fake materials that don't look real, it actually increases your increases anxiety and puts your body in a fight or flight state. Versus if there's natural materials, if there's plants in the room, if there's wood, if there's stone, if there's natural materials, marble, it all induces a sense of calming your nervous system as it would be if you went out in nature, whether it's standing by the ocean, listening to the waves crash, or walking through the forest, hearing the sound of the burst chirp and just that quiet, serene sound. It's a very same thing with what you're putting yourself into. I want to say, I think there's something deeper going on here, even in society. I think when you have more oppressive political parties and oppressive people get into power, they they, they, they want architecture. They want everything to be the same. Listen, this is a really important thing to get. The spirit of evil wants everyone to be the same and look the same. It's actually part of this inspiration around even communism. Everything should look and be the same. There's no uniqueness. There's no specialness. Everyone looks, this is why we even see even in gender today, why everyone can kind of like men are women and women are men and like trying to reduce the significance of, of the differences of, of sex. Um, this is part of the evil spirit that's on us today. And it's very oppressive that everything and everyone should look and feel the same. The walls, the buildings, everything you're in. And it's incredibly oppressive and in a way it's evil. And this emphasis on just purely functionality has led to a lack of character and meaning in our environments today, including the buildings we're walking into. You know, spiritually and religiously, uh, as we're talking about history, you know, um, spirituality and religion historically influence grand architectural design, right? Religious beliefs used to drive architectural magnificence. Think about, you know, the grandeur of St. Peter's Basilica or even the serenity of Buddhist temples. If you go into this architecture today, it does something to your soul. You know, today we've gone from this transition from this craftsmanship focused on this sort of, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, this meticulous design to like walk into an Apple store, right? It's like everything is same, everything looks and feels the same. And this lack of character and awe-inspiring beauty in this modern architecture, uh, it's oppressive versus if you're going into the Pantheon or Byzantine churches, you walk in there and you're just wowed by it. I remember Chelsea and I taking a trip to, uh, you know, to, 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 to Europe and going through places like uh, the Sistine Chapel or walking through and standing outside the Duomo. I remember going to these places and just thinking, I am so inspired. You're like, I wanted to write, I wanted to read, I wanted to experience, I wanted to, like it, it moved me in a unique way. There's a reason why people visit these places as well uh, is because again, people wanna be moved. They wanna see something that uh, people did with excellence. And today this is happening less and less with our architecture 
today. You know, by the way, here's a picture that I took of Chelsea and I uh, in 2018 when we took a trip to Florence, Italy, and we're standing outside the, uh, one of the, the beautiful, beautiful churches there. Here's another picture I took of a ceiling. I believe that's a Duomo there in, in Italy. And then another picture here of the, the Sistine Chapel. Uh, you can see here online, here's a picture of Chelsea and I standing next, next to the statue of David. I mean, think about that. Somebody took a hand and a chisel and, 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 and chiseled, chiseled this out by hand. It's absolutely amazing. And there are areas of the Sistine Chapel ceiling that you really can't fully see. And somebody was asking Michelangelo, they said, why, why did you spend so much time painting that corner that no one will ever see? And he said, because God will see. And I think that that in a nutshell is what we're missing with our environment today. When you look at a lot of our impressive architecture, which I'm going to get into more in here in a minute, is this idea that God sees what I'm doing, right? And so if you have somebody like Michelangelo or the creators of the city of Rome and Jerusalem, a lot of those architects, they believed that God was judging their work. God would see what they were doing. And so they were, in a way, working for God. They were working to inspire others. They were working with excellence. They were pouring their heart and their soul and their spirit all into doing this, this one thing, right, and creating something. And today it's not about that. It's about let's make it functional. It's not God-inspired. And because of that, we're living in spaces and buildings in a lot of places today that cause our anxiety to rise, activate our our, 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 our our nervous system that is responsible for our, our body stress response and really make us feel more oppressed in a way. Here's, here's another uh, and beautiful building. I and mean, when you look in the inside, it's full of so much uh, just beautiful stained glass, the Sagrada in Barcelona, Spain. And they just finished this building this year. I don't know the exact number we'll put up here. I think it, it, I know it took well over 100 years to complete this beautiful architecture. And when Chelsea... We're in there. We were just just blown away. Here's another one. Now, now this building is not a church. This is a hospital in Barcelona, built in 1902. And listen, this creates or doesn't create a healing environment. I, mean, I want to, you know, my my dad came down with pneumonia a few years ago, and so he got put in the hospital. And then I went in to visit him. We got him on a whole natural protocol. But when I was in there, and I sat with him and and and, and talked for a bit, I just one of the biggest things I felt was I felt oppressed and I felt sick. I felt sicker being in there. Have you ever spent much time in a hospital? I mean, not, and again, listen, part of the problem is they're giving, you know, they're giving, you know, my dad, we brought him food from Whole Foods and, you know, brought him his own food. But it's like, you know, they were feeding him this pudding and I, you know, they would have put him pudding and ice cream and all this fake stuff. So that's bad enough. Yeah. And then you're in this building that's sort of like, uh, you know, just, just, uh, you know, everything I talked about from that study that's bad, the enclosed spaces, linear corners, it's all about functionality. It's not about healing. It's not about growth. It's not about rejuvenation. It, you know, versus you go to a hospital where you can walk outside in the beauty of a garden and the rooms are, are beautiful in a way. Now, listen, I know one of the arguments might be, well, obviously that costs more money. It does, but I think it's worth. I, I think it's worth it. I, I think, and here's the other thing: is I think it will last longer. You know, when you look at a lot of these buildings that were built in ancient Rome, or again, even places like uh, you know areas of the Middle East or Egypt, or uh, or, or as we've been talking about Europe, um, they're still around. They've been around a long time, 
and there's a reason because they were uh, they, they 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 were created with 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 a, with divine inspiration. They cared about the materials they used. They wanted these buildings to last for thousands of years. And so the thing is, it's like, well, it's cheaper, but will it last longer? And what are the side effects of cheaper? Here's another beautiful, beautiful building. And you look at these buildings compared with some of the modern architecture today, whether it be BMVs, government buildings, office. By the way, government buildings, they are the most oppressive. And when you look at governments, when they're trying to create something, again, a lot of times today it's about power and efficiency, not about inspiring humans to rise up and be the best they can be. Because a lot of governments about, I want to keep you lowly because I want to control you. And even the way, by the way, I don't think psychologically they're aware of this, but I am telling you subconsciously that's what's going on, is when you see an ugly government building, the person that created that was out of the thing of, we don't want to inspire people. We don't want people to rise up and be their best because we want to maintain control over everyone. So again, DMVs, office buildings, hospitals, government buildings, you'll see they almost all lack a uniqueness and are oppressive according to the scientific studies and architecture. You know, when you look at, again, a DMV here, again, this is this is a classic DMV. It's like the DMV that I grew up in and going to, you know, in Ohio or whether it's Tennessee now or, or, or other places I've been and got my license. You know, here's Boston City Hall. I mean, this is another example of just an oppressive space uh, when, when you're looking at it here from the outside. Here's another one, another hospital. Again, you just feel it feels like sickness and disease. And that's what they continue to, to breathe there. An interesting note, you know, the third leading cause of death, it, at, at least it might actually be the number one, but the third leading cause of death is medical mistakes uh, in the U.S. And that's just mistakes. A lot of other people die from, it's called iatrogenic disease. A lot of other people die from other things. Part of it is due to the spirit that's actually behind these things. Here's another one. Here's a, you know, a, a, a church that won't stand the test of time. Here's another example of neighborhoods where every home looks the exact same. And this is what people wanted. It's creating to control people, lack of uniqueness there. And I, mean, I want to give a, you know, a compare and contrast here to a lot of sort of the modern architecture. Here's one of the newer uh, newer statues built to honor Martin Luther King Jr., but it's not uh, honoring. It's it's ugly. It's weird. It's like again, compare this statue to the statue of Moses or the Pieta or the statue of David or or many of these other brilliant, beautiful statues. It pales in this pales in comparison to that. And then of course. You know, one of the things we see here in a lot of other modern architecture is it's meaningless. You know, it's in the it's like a jelly bean, a big silver jelly bean. What that's that's not inspiring you. That's not inspiring me. That's not inspiring anybody. It actually makes us sick in the soul if we surround ourselves with these sort of ugly, plastic, meaningless. And, and this is actually spur, uh, this is actually birthed out of uh, something called relativism, uh, relativism, which is there is no truth. There is no meaning. Or Michelangelo and these great artists were saying, no, there is truth, and truth is God. Truth is pursuing a life of making earth into a heavenly place. And is this more heavenly, or is, is you know, these statues that uh, Michelangelo created? I think the answer is there is fairly obvious. And so here's the reality of what's happened is we've had really a shift in priority. So here's the big thing to get, okay? And I'm going to bring this back in the end here in just a few minutes to things you can do with your own internal environment. 
to make yourself healthier in body, mind, and spirit. But these architectural priorities have shifted from beauty to functionality and, in a way, from this efficiency where the focus is in, is in on uh, finances. It's, it's all about saving money rather than inspiring people. So, listen, the shift is from beauty. It, it's, a, it's about God and virtue to efficiency and money. So, God and virtue and character to efficiency and money. You know, I think here's the thing to consider that buildings in your environment, they're either pro-human and inspiration, they're pro-God, or they're anti-human. You know, cities were initially designed where the most important thing was the tallest building in the center. And that used to be the church, okay? And I remember asking asking my grandfather this. I, I he, he, was, uh, he would have been over 100 now, but he's 96 years old. And I had a chance to sit down with him, and he told me that— uh, that he lived in this city in Ohio, and he said, yeah, originally, so when people moved to the United States, they moved there, and they would go to a city or build a city based on their religion or their denomination, and the church was in the center of the city. In fact, he lived in this little city, and I want to say it was a, uh, it was, uh, it was more of like an evangelical, you know, Methodist city, and then my other grandparents moved to a city in St. Mary's, Ohio, which was the, the city that uh, was surrounded by the Catholic church, and so, you know, my family, half Protestant, half Catholic, they went and lived in those cities. But again, the church was the center. Today, if you go to a big city, what's the center? It's a big, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's going to be a business center. It's going to be some sort of uh, building that's really a tall skyscraper dedicated to business and commerce. Okay. Money. All right. And you see this in our society today. God has been displaced by materialism. The divine has been placed by money. And so, again, I think a lot of times we gloss over this stuff and we think, well, maybe that's a coincidence or maybe that's not important. But I think when you look at the deeper things going on in society today, this is what's happened is what's at the center. And I think this has more of a symbolic or spiritual meaning for ourselves is what's at your center, okay? And if your center is at I'm called to do things with excellence. I'm called to make things beautiful. I'm called to build things now that could last for thousands of years. And I'm building right now. I'm making earth into a heavenly place for eternity. If that's at the center of your heart, then you're going to do things with more excellence, create things with more beauty. You're going to create a certain type of family environment and home and all these things because you know that those things matter. Versus if, if you're thinking to yourself, well, money and getting ahead and keeping up with the Joneses and all these things are most important. It's going to affect the way you do things, cutting corners, the things you buy, the things you spend time on. And so it's really important to understand what's at your center, what's at the center of your city, but also what's at the center of your heart. And, you know, I want to show you an example of what's happened to this decline since 1952, by the way. You know, around this time when you start to see this decline, this is when God was taken out of the public school system. This is the biggest thing here, okay? So the great decline over the last 60 years of religion in America, you see it being extremely high and dropping year after year after year after year. And is culture more moral because of it? No, we're less moral. Is culture better for it? No, it's worse off. There's more crime, more gun violence, more all kinds of things. Listen, we don't have more gun violence because people have guns. People have always had guns and knives and number of things. My grandfather, same thing when I was asking these questions. He hitchhiked from uh, from Lima, Ohio, no, from Dayton, Ohio, 
all the way to Yellowstone National Park, to California, to Nashville, Tennessee, to Kentucky, and then back to uh, back to Ohio. Hitchhike, just picked up, just got picked up along the way. And people did that normally in those days. I mean, you had a city where you just went and picked up the mail. Nobody was there. You just left the money, and everybody trusted each other. We don't have that today. We have people constantly breaking in buildings and setting things on fire and creating architecture that's depressing and meaningless. So you can see here, since the 1950s, what happened around those 50s, 60s? We took God out of school. And so now kids today and parents, everybody's less educated on the divine. Everybody's less spiritually inspired. And that's less left, uh, that's led to the decline of our entire civilization. You can see this all happened around the same time. This secular design really influences our environment, which influences our soul. You've heard, you've heard this statement, you become like those you surround yourself with or those you spend the most time with, okay? You become like those people, and people are even more important than your places, okay? But your place and those things you create also does impact you, inspire you, or demotivate you. So it is important that we create environments that we can be inspired by. You know, Tucker Carlson says, and he has a great uh, he has, has a great segment on this where he says, you know, the modern architecture today that is so oppressive, it says, here's what he says, what it, what it says to us. Modern, modern, modern architecture says, shut up and obey. You don't matter. You mean nothing. And that's what it feels like when you're in these buildings. Again, I mentioned a hospital earlier. If you go to a lot of these hospital buildings, they feel like, well, you're just another number. You don't mean anything. There's, there's not the same level of care in creating a, a, a space. And I know, by the way, the biggest argument against me with a lot of this could be, well, you know, it saves money to just put up four concrete walls and, and buildings, and it's more economic, and so you can help more people. But here's the thing I want to tell you is that that philosophy and mindset is not true. I want to give you the same mindset. Bill Gates, uh, he's a big proponent investor in a company called Monsanto. And... Um, and, and they're really committed to creating these something called genetically modified crops and also crops that are, you know, you just uh, that, that you, you take out every year and you have to replant these uh, these annual crops year after year after year. And it's a very fast way to do things. It does seem like it will help the most people get the most people the most things. However, it's not the best way to do things long term. It might seem the best way to do things short-term, but it's not the best long-term. The best way to heal the planet and feed the world long-term is to do something called food forest, where you're practicing regenerative agriculture, actually, as they talk about in the Bible, letting the land rest every seven years and, and creating more, um, having the livestock in with the, 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 the farming practices. And you can actually create a, turn a desert into a rainforest if you follow these biblical and, 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 and practices. And you can feed the world this way many times over if you practice the right type of agriculture where you're not genetically modifying, you're not cutting corners, you're not doing the right thing. So here's the reality here. It's immediate gratification monetarily, but long-term, it actually depletes and pillages and takes away from the good things. Again, as we talk about as the farming example here, if you are practicing modern, uh, modern farming, where you're using genetically modified crops, whether it be soy or, or hybridized wheat or some of these other products, you are constantly stripping the planet of, 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 of carbon and nitrogen and all, the thing, all, all these minerals in the soil that bring life and health to our bodies. You're depleting the soil. 
when you practice that way. So you might feed the most people that year, but you're actually not feeding them nourishing food and you're taking away from the earth at the same time. And the same thing goes true for if the only thing you think about or, or, or government or others thinks about with money. And by the way, a lot of this architecture has nothing to do with money. It has to do with, hey, we want everything to look the same. It's subconscious, but we're going to oppress people. And again, the root of all of this is God has been removed. It's less in our lives. Religion and God has been moved out. It's been replaced with modernism, and that's the problem. So here's the reality. The goal of modern architecture is this. Get human beings to not care about the environment they're in. You know, it's ugly, and that dehumanizes us. Dehumanizing is the act of convincing people that they don't matter, that they're not unique, and they're not created by God. And modern architecture signals a departure from tradition. There's this whole wave today going on of being anti-tradition, anti-traditional marriage, anti-traditional generals, anti-tradition everything, when the reality is tradition is a major part of what makes us unique and makes us who we are. It's part of our identity, who our parents were and our grandparents and what they built and what they did. It's still lasting today. It's about legacy. And modern architecture removes all of that feeling in a lot of our environment we have today. You know, there's a, a study on the psychological effects of living in this sort of cookie-cutter, you know, uh, suburban landscape that we see today. And th this was a study done, a 2015 study done in Great Britain. It said people who lived in more scenic environments reported better health. This was found across urban and suburban and rural areas. Another study found that employees who had control over the design of their workspace reported higher levels of satisfaction and productivity. So if you allow somebody to be in a more beautiful space and they can actually be part of making it beautiful and inspiring, they're more productive, they get more done, they do things with more excellence. Research has also, also shown that well-designed office space can lead to an increase in brain function and productivity in workers. So we're also seeing here that it's actually counterproductive when we are in these non-beautiful, oppressive spaces. And so here's a few things I want to mention that you can start doing. And last thing I want to say is this. So much of this is biblical in nature. When you read the Bible, uh, God doesn't have a start off in a building. He has a start off in a garden. And when he tells Adam and Eve, and he says, he says, you're a gardener. You're going to tend to this garden. Make it more beautiful. It's in this little area here in Mesopotamia, but I'm going to have you take this. Your calling is to turn the entire planet into a paradise. And we see many years later, one of his descendants, of course, uh, Solomon. And Solomon has this beautiful building, uh, this beautiful place he creates called the Hanging uh, Gardens of Solomon. And uh, it's known as one of the seven wonders of the world. And, and when you go back later on, when you read the second or one of the two last chapters of the Bible, uh, it says that in the end, we'll all be living together. Uh, those who um, those are in heaven and when and they come back here on earth, we'll be living in a garden city. OK, so we start off in a garden that's in one little place. And later on, the entire planet turns into a garden city. And that's what Solomon was trying to do is take this, you know, create a garden city in this area he was in in the Middle East. And we're called to do a similar thing. I think in our architecture, I was thinking about this the other day, Chelsea and I have built several homes. And when we've built homes, we don't go and try and find, uh, you know, the most fake things to make the house beautiful. We try to find the most natural things. We're looking at natural wood 
and stone and limestone and uh, you know all these things that are make the house very unique and, and you know glass so we can see the outdoors and have plants in the home right and so uh, that, that's what beauty is and also makes me think of somebody who really also understood this. You know, if you uh, if you read any of J.R.R. Tolkien's work, uh, like Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit or The Silmarillion, when you read these books, um, you'll read about places like Rivendell or Lothlorien or Numenor, these cities that are garden cities. It's, it's a chapter J.R.R. Tolkien took right out of, I think it's uh, Revelation 21, right out of the Bible. We're living in a garden city. It's just beautiful, awe-inspiring all, all architecture and the space you're living in, you know? And uh, I think that's what heaven's going to be like, right? I think heaven is going to be, imagine the most beautiful place you can imagine. Imagine an ocean and waterfalls and plants and stone and wood and the most beautiful space you've ever lived in. And you and you get to live there and you get to help create it, working alongside of God and other people you love. And that's that very same thing that we should be doing at the end of time, we should be doing now and working towards that right now. And what happens is that good spirit, that, that, that spirit of good, it inspires us to do that. The spirit of evil oppresses us and says, it doesn't matter. It's just four concrete walls. Everything's the same. It doesn't matter. Therefore, you don't matter. That's the thing we want to stay away from. And so, you know, a few things here that I want to, I want to share with you that, that, that I want you to encourage you to do is, Make your space beautiful. It impacts your health of your body physically. We saw it reduces anxiety, according to studies. It reduces your heart rate, and it improves your overall health if you're in a beautiful space. So spend time making your space beautiful. We'll make something beautiful. Things that are natural, things that have meaning to you, um, things that are, again, of nature. Um, now I want to give you some examples here. Like, again, I've got like a bonsai tray in here. We've got natural plants in my home. You know, I've got another plant here. Here's, um, here's, I got books on my shelf. This is, uh, you know, uh, part of the, uh, well, this isn't Lord of the Rings. This is Silmarillion, but this is a book Chelsea got me for uh, Christmas, a few Christmases back. It's a natural, uh, it's a, it's a leather bound, uh, book she has here that I absolutely love. And it's got all these great pictures of it. And uh, which inspires me. And so, um, you know, make your space natural, motivating, meaningful. You know, I'll put pictures in places also of people I inspire to be like and that motivate me. And I have a vision board, you know, uh, that, that I've created and all those sort of things. And so I want to encourage you, your space matters, your environment matters. Now, listen, people matter the most, the people you surround yourself with. But in addition to that, your environment matters. So be meticulous. Be be like Michelangelo, make it a work of art, creating your space in your home and having it a place that's really nourishing to your body, mind, and spirit. And also be aware of what's going on. Be aware when you walk into that DMV or you see those office buildings and realizing this is a spirit of oppression, uh, of everyone's trying to be the same versus the uniqueness, the way we were created, and the importance to bring God back and religion back into your life. Because it will inspire you to greatness of things that won't be temporary, but things that will last eternally. As Michelangelo said, God will see. He sees everything, and I'm doing this for him. And so we want to think in, in those terms here as well. So, hey, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I've really enjoyed talking about uh, a lot of things, but really the center of this is 
our environment greatly impact, impacts us. Everything from the buildings we're in, outside of the buildings we're in, the things that we have in our homes, it all impacts us greatly. And it's important to be aware of it and to make your space beautiful. I want to say, hey, thanks so much for uh, listening in today's podcast. Also, if you're not subscribed, make sure to subscribe. Did you know if you're not subscribed that there's only a small chance that this that my next videos will come up in your feed? And I don't want you to miss one of the great interviews we have coming up with people like Tim Tebow and Mark Hyman and so many amazing leaders that I think you're going to love and some of the other unique things that I'm going to be covering in the future regarding how to heal yourself, body, mind, and spirit, and how to live the best life possible. Hey, thanks so much for subscribing. And hey, I'd love to hear your comments on what was the biggest thing to stick out to you about this video? Do you notice that hospital spaces feel oppressive versus ancient church cathedrals are inspiring? Or what are some examples you've seen in your own life, in your environment? Hey, thanks so much for watching. Thanks so much for sharing. Have a blessed week.